Alright, recording podcast. Recording video. Maybe. Maybe. There it goes. This dilapidated computer of mine does not like to cooperate. Let me get a big swig of water here to start out this podcast. Um, As we speak... We are seven days to Christmas. Yay. And I wanted to do a Christmas special. So I'm not going to advertise on this. You guys know where to find me on social media because that's where you found this podcast and video. So there's no need to beat a dead horse right now. I will intro. I am Big John. This channel is called Americana, The American Way. And although it's a holiday for all Christians, Christmas is uh, (laughs) one of those holidays. uh, It's celebrated by Christians around the world in different ways. But I think America puts its own spin on it. And I'll talk about that later, which reminds me, I got like a note, because I didn't do notes, to uh, tell you a story about something. Um, but I'm going to start out by reading Luke chapter 2, the story of Jesus' birth, and... This is factual. This is no, this isn't fiction. This isn't something that some writer made up. A lot of folks, even theologians, also known as biblical scholars, um, they're falling, in my opinion, they're falling into the secular trap. Lies, in other words. Um, saying that certain things in the Bible didn't happen the way they, the way the Bible says they happened. Um, they'll say that this or that is a metaphor. Let me tell you something. Get yourself into a good Bible-based church, okay? And you accept everything scriptural as fact the bible itself is very clear on what is fact and what is uh, a metaphor or um, a fable or a, a story a parable that's the word i was looking for jesus taught a lot in the way of parables by the way speaking of christmas I have my official peppermint flavored, oh, pardon me, candy cane flavored chapstick here that I was just uh, moistening my lips with. This is what I'm talking about, how America made Christmas its own holiday. There, everything under the sun in the United States is around this time of year is somehow related to Christmas. 
So, Chapstick, if you ever want to sponsor somebody, you just got a free plug on my podcast. Um, Let's get into this. Let's get it on, as Mills Lane would say. So, from the book of Luke, in the Holy Bible, King James Version. And it came to pass in those days, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. Uh, The Roman Empire considered itself the whole world, and it did, at the time, cover a lot of the known world. And this tax was first made when Sirius, the governor of Syria, And all went to be taxed to his, into his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out to the city of Nazareth in Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with his spouse or pardon me, his exposed wife, Mary, being great with child. And so it was that while they were on there, while they were there, the days were accompanied, accomplished, pardon me, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room at the inn. And there was, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which is the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, They made known abroad the saying which is told to them concerning this child. 
and all that heard it wondered at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered in her heart. And <clears throat> and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished from the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which is so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Remember, the angel of the Lord had already come to Mary and said, You shall conceive a child by the Holy Spirit. And she was a virgin. She was not married. She was not had not had sex yet. Okay, that's all. This is the year 2021, right? We know how our minds work. Uh, Joseph, in those days, because she was pregnant, could have taken her to the uh, elders and had her stoned to death for being with child unmarried. But an angel came to Joseph also and said, Hey, look, dude. <laughs> Your soon-to-be wife is going to bring forth a child. And he's going to be the Christ, the Savior to us all. Let's go and read on. And when the days of her purification, or according to the laws of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. As it was is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or, or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it revealed unto him by it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He became, or excuse me, and he came by the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed the Lord and said, Lord, now let us thou, my, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared for, before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. So Jesus was sent there here for all of us, to save all mankind, uh, a light to lighten the Gentiles. Those were the non-Jews, okay? That's, that's me, 
and probably a lot of you watching this and listening to this. <clears throat> and that's the reason why people put up Christmas lights, Christ mass lights. Because Jesus was the light of the world. That's why we light candles and sing, O Holy Night, Silent Night on Christmas Eve. <clears throat> Joseph, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed him and said unto his mother Mary, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rise again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through my own soul also, that, thought, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Fenella, of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming, and she coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise to the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was twelve years old, he went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had filled, fulfilled the days, as they returned, Jesus tarried behind them in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And they found him not. They turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it ye sought me? Wist ye not that I was to be found about my father's business? 
or pardon me, wist I was, wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood, not saying which he spake unto them. And they, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So people talk about the missing years of Jesus. They want to lie to you and say the Bible doesn't talk about what Jesus did between the time he was born and the time he was 33 years old-ish. That's not true. It's right there. You know, it. They, they stay when he was 12 years old. You know, where he was. It talks about what he did from the time he was born and the time he was 12. Um, let me read it again for you. It says, and the, and the child grew, grew and was waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. It says, and now his parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem for the custom of the feast. And so on and so on. It talks about Jesus growing up. Yeah, okay, it's not like detailed. Like, oh, when he was, uh, you know, 13, he, he had a bar mitzvah. And they gave him a Shetland pony for his bar mitzvah. <laughs> okay. Uh, it doesn't talk about what Jesus, uh, you know, he was riding his bicycle and fell off and skinned his knee and Mary put a band-aid on it. These are human things that supposed biblical scholars want to tell you, well, we don't know. We just know that God was, you know, doing his thing and Jesus was growing up. The Bible doesn't have to tell you every detail. It gives us a broad understanding of who Jesus was and how he grew up and how he came up to be a man. Okay? That's all we need to know. We don't need to know all these details. <clears throat> all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the story of Jesus and how he was born and how he came to be. And you can look into that and read into that more. Um, even though you saw and heard that I stumbled through a few words there because of the these and thous and uh, things that uh, are not part of our everyday uh, American English language, you get the point. Okay? So let's talk a little, a lot a bit about modern Christmas and actually speaking of which put my spectacles back on I have a little Christmas music here in the background uh, to set the mood but <laughs> here's a good well I, I'm gonna light up I got uh, 
I can light a cigar now. The serious part of the the time is over. But I picked up at a cigar store. Hey, they had wooden matches. Uh, oh, they gave me two bo boxes of wooden matches. Uh, if you're in Canton, Cigar 30 has a really good selection, and they have wooden cigar matches. But I, as I was perusing their store, I found this uh, Alec Bradley. It's called uh, Number 40, and it's actually called Project 40, and it's a, an experimental blend that the Alec Bradley company is working on. So I don't know if they're going to um, put this into full production if it goes over well. But it was called Experimental. So I thought, well, this probably has a good taste to it. Project 40 Cigar by Alec Bradley. Uh, it's a good ring size. It's a Maduro. Um... And it says on here, yeah, experimental series. But Alec Bradley always has a good uh, selection. But uh, while I light this and go to the next phase of the podcast, I've, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything better to uh, sum up the... <laughs> the uh, modern holiday spirit than this new Christmas song called Text Me Merry Christmas. So listen to that while I fire it up.
That was cute. You know, I spend about an hour every Christmas day uh, texting people Merry Christmas. And I find that humorous that there's a Christmas song called Text Me Merry Christmas. So the modern Christmas, how did we get here? This, it's not the way it was, obviously, 2000, 21 years ago. Uh, although, uh, I do, I love... Or over a cigar. gonna have to check out Cigar 30 in Canton again someday if I'm in the neighborhood. Uh, whew, it's been a, quite a few years. Uh, one Christmas Eve, or it might have even been uh, one year Christmas fell on a Sunday. It does that from time to time. And uh, one of the elders of the church who was in her 90s she lived to be 101, but she was, you know, probably over 95, close to 100. And the pastor said, you know, since this is almost your 100th Christmas, why don't you get up and tell us what Christmas was like when you were a kid, when you were growing up? And she was a little, I don't know. She was my girl. Like her, her kids who were a lot older than me, uh, jokingly, and people at the church jokingly called me her boyfriend because uh, when I was away from home at college and so on, I would send her cards and letters because she's she was the first person. My grandpap called the day that my mom and grandparents were told to call the family in, I was going to die. And within 30 minutes, she... Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Within 30 minutes of that phone call... She had the whole church praying for me, and I was healed. You can look through these videos and podcasts and find the one marked testimony and hear that story. But she stood up in the church and explained, you know, when she was a kid, you know, they... They never saw the Christmas tree until Christmas morning. Uh, she left out the part where the, the grown-ups were getting drunk and putting up the Christmas tree. <laughs> uh, because the Christmas party for the grown-ups back in, the, back in her day, which was probably the, gosh, the 40s, maybe. I mean, I don't know when she would have been a kid. I can't remember when she, she died. Uh, but, I mean, she was born around the, the turn of the 1900. And uh, she lived into, I 
think past the year 2000. So, whatever. So, anyways, when she was a kid in the 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it was. Uh, no, it would have been earlier than that. In the early 1900s, okay, in the United States of America, people, she was rural, so dad probably went out, excuse me, and chopped down the Christmas tree, Christmas Eve. Uh, I don't know if they had Christmas Eve church services back then or not, but I'm sure, you know, they, if they did, they went to church. Uh, then the grown-ups would throw a drunken party they didn't tell the kids that and put the Christmas tree up and put the decorations on it and everything was a live tree back then it was a real tree and sometimes they didn't have lights they didn't use lights early on in Christmas they actually put candles on the branches of the trees which you could see where that could be a bit of a problem uh, sometimes presents were actually hung on the trees. They they didn't have the the fancy decorative, which I need to put my stocking up. I don't have, I don't have me and Haley's stockings hung by the mantle with care. Where's Santa gonna leave the the stocking gifts, <laughs> the stocking stuffers? Well, anyways, we'll get to that tonight. Uh, so. <laughs> But your stocking was your actual sock. And that's kind of where Christmas got its start many, many centuries ago. Uh, Saint Nicholas, a very wealthy man, would put candy or gold coins in uh, people's socks that hung out on, you know, people hung their clothing out to dry. And they would, would put uh, money, gold coins, and candy in kids' socks. And that evolved into St. Nicholas, Santa Claus. So let me go through a little history.com. There are people that, you know, friends of mine, oh, you know, Christmas isn't really a Christian holiday. Yes, it is. Shut up. Uh, it, it depends on how much of a Christian you are. But it, you either are or you aren't, but anyhow. Christmas, the early Christians took Christmas and put it at the same time of year as um, a pagan winter solstice celebration. Okay? Uh, the winter solstice is, by our calendar, December 21st. Uh, but history.com, for the History Channel, Christmas is celebrated on December 25th and is both a sacred religious holiday and a worldwide cultural and commercial phenomenon. Phenomenon. For two millennia, people around the world have been observing it with traditions and practices, both that are religious and secular in nature. Christians celebrate Christmas as the anniversary of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, 
let me correct you, history.com, birth of Jesus the Christ of Nazareth. <clears throat> Popular customs include exchanging gifts, decorating Christmas trees, attending church, sharing meals with family and friends, and, of course, waiting for Santa Claus to arrive. December 25th, Christmas Day, has been a federal holiday in the United States since 1870. Uh, how did Christmas start? The middle of winter has long been a time of celebrations around the world. Centuries before the arrival of the man called Jesus the Christ, early Europeans celebrated light and birth in the darkest of days of winter. Many peoples rejoiced during the winter solstice when the worst of the winter was behind them. That's wild. Uh, when the worst of winter was behind them and they could look forward to longer days, extended hours of sunlight. In Scandinavia, the Norse, N-O-R-S-E, celebrated Yule. From December 21st, the winter solstice, through January, recognizing the return of the sun. Fathers and sons would bring home large logs, which they would set on fire. That's the old thing, Yule log. The people would feast until the log burned out, which could take as many as 12 days, 12 days of Christmas. The Norse believed each spark from the fire presented a, represented, pardon me, a new pig or calf that would be born during the coming year. That, that's pretty neat. The end of December was a perfect time for celebration in most European areas. At that time of year, most cattle were slaughtered so they would not have to be fed during the winter. For many, it was the only time of year when they had a supply of fresh meat in addition to wine and beer made during the year. It was finally fermented and ready for drinking. <clears throat> Oops. Is Christmas really the day Jesus was born? Early years of Christianity, Easter was the main holiday. The birth of Jesus was not celebrated. In the 4th century, church officials decided to institute the birth of Jesus as a holiday. Unfortunately, the Bible does not mention uh, the date for his birth, a fact Puritans later pointed out in order to deny the legitimacy of the celebration. Although some evidence suggests the birth may have occurred during the spring, why would shepherds be herding in the middle of winter? Pope Julius I chose December 25th. It is commonly believed that the church chose the date as an effort to adopt and absorb the traditions of the pagans. The pagan Saturnial Festival first called the Feast of the Nativity, like the Nativity scene, 
you know, the baby Jesus and the three wise men and uh, the animals and Joseph and Mary in the stable. The custom spread to Egypt by four by 432. That's the year of 432 after the death of Jesus. And to England by the end of the 6th century. By holding Christmas at the same time as the traditional winter solstice festival, church leaders increased the chances that Christmas would be popularly embraced but give up but gave up the ability to dedicate how it was celebrated. By the Middle Ages, Christianity had for the most part replaced the pagan religion. On Christmas, believers attended church. Oh, so attending church goes back to uh, back to the Middle Ages. Uh, they celebrated reclusely in a drunken carnival-like atmosphere. Well, we still do that. Uh, atmosphere similar to today's Mardi Gras. Each year, um, each year a beggar or student was crowned. Lord of Misrule <laughs> and eager celebrants played the part of his subjects. The poor would go out to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink. If the owners failed to comply, if the owners failed to comply, uh, their visitors would most likely terrorize them with mischief. Christmas became the time of year when the upper class could repay their real or imagined debt to society by entertaining the less fortunate citizens. Uh, we kind of do that now. Um, we, we still, a lot of people still party. I've been to many Christmas Eve parties after church. Um, there's some of my best memories of friends. We didn't get sloppy drunk, but we, we just had a good time. Drinking, telling stories, you know, of when we were kids, <coughs> so on and so forth. Um, Christmas music blaring, Christmas movies on TV and all that. So, this is where I talk about uh, Christmas evolving into an American holiday. Let me check my mom's text here. Um, so what did Washington Irvin do? <coughs> it wasn't until the 19th century that Americans began to embrace Christmas. Of course, America was founded by Puritans, so, you know, they probably didn't really embrace Christmas that much. Um, remember, I just said, you know, the Puritans tried to uh, ignore Christmas a little bit because of all the drunken partying. Americans reinvented Christmas and changed it from a raucous, car raucous carnival holiday to a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia. But what about the 1800s quipped American interest in the holiday? 
19th century was a period of class conflict and turmoil. During this time, unemployment was high, and gang rioting by the disenchanted classes often occurred during the Christmas season. In 1828, the New York City Council instituted the city's first police force in response to the Christmas riot. That's pretty cool. The first police force in America was formed because of the Christmas riot. <laughs> this catalyzed certain members of the upper class to begin to change the way Christmas was celebrated in America. 1819, best-selling author Chris, uh, Washington Irving, Irving wrote the, the sketch book of Jeffrey Crayon Gent, a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas in Eng an English manner. The sketches featured a squire who invited peasants into his home for the holiday. In contrast to the problems faced in American society, the groups mingled effortlessly in Irving's mind. Christmas should be a peaceful, warm-hearted holiday, bringing groups together across lines of wealth or social status. Irving's fictitious celebrants enjoyed ancient customs, including crowning of the Lord of Misrule. <laughs> Irving's book, however, was not based on any holiday celebration he attended, in fact, many historians say Irving's account was actually invented. Tradition by implying Irving's account actually invented tradition by implying that it described true customs of the season. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And a lot of what we do uh, around Christmas today is just stuff we invented. Um, you know, that's, you know, just things that Americans or people around the world made up. Um, who invented Santa Claus? The legend of Santa Claus can be traced back to a monk named St. Nicholas, who was born in Turkey around 280 AD. St. Nicholas gave away all his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and sick, becoming known as the protector of children and sailors. St. Nicholas first entered American popular culture in the late 18th century in New York when Dutch families gathered to honor the anniversary of the de death of Sint, S-I-N-T, Nicholas, N-I-K-O-L-A-A, S, Dutch for St. Nicholas, or Sinterklaas for short. Santa Claus draws his name from this abbreviation. Neato. Uh, let's see here. Christmas facts. Factuals. Want to hear some Christmas factious? Factuals? Yeah, good, because you're going to. Mm. Cigar went out. Hold on. Very good cigar.
These wooden ornaments are the sort of wooden matches that don't work. Gotta use two or three of them to get this thing going. Okay, so here we go. Christmas facts. Each year, 30 to 35 million real Christmas trees are sold in the United States alone. In the Middle Ages, Christmas celebrations were rowdy and raucous. <laughs> when Christmas was canceled from 1659 to 1681, Celebration of Christmas was outlawed in Boston, and lawbreakers were fined five shillings. Wow. From, eight, from 1659 to eight, 1681, I'm getting dyslexic, in the city of Boston, if you celebrated Christ Mass, you could be fined five shillings. Christmas was declared a federal holiday June 26th, 1870 in the United States. Uh, the early American, well, that was about 100 years after the founding, uh, the Declaration of Independence. The, the calendar in the United States was kind of bare. And the Congress said, we need some holidays here. You know, we need some traditions. So they made Christmas a holiday, 1870. The first eggnog <clears throat> made in the United States was consumed in Captain John Smith's 1607 Jamestown settlement. Poinsettia plants are named after Joel R. Poinsettia, an American minister to Mexico who brought the red and green plant from Mexico to America in 1828. So. Poinsettias are a big thing at Christmas. Uh, churches, you know, sell poinsettias in memory of family members and line them up in the front of the church. People give poinsettias to their grandmas and their moms uh, on Christmas. And that's where we get the Christmas official Christmas colors, red and green. Salvation Army has been sending Santa Claus-clad donation collectors into the streets since the 1890s. You know, I don't see Salvation Army's dressed as Santa much anymore. And a little known fact, those people that are out ringing the bell for the Salvation Army, uh, they actually get paid for that. And yeah, they're you where, where I'm from, they're usually a person who really needs a job, so the Salvation Army hooks them up with the Red Kettle campaign. Uh, some places it's volunteers. When I was in uh, a different part of the state, one of the ritzier areas, um, <clears throat> they had volunteers that would ring the bell for the red kettle. And sometimes they would, you know, have a musical instrument or they would sing Christmas carols. Um, but I haven't seen a, a Salvation Army person dressed as Santa in a while. Uh, Rudolph, the most famous reindeer of all, 
was a production of Robert L. May's imagination in 1939. The copywriter wrote a poem about a reindeer who helped to help lure customers to Montgomery Ward's stores. There's a lot more to Rudolph than that, though. Um, <coughs> Montgomery Ward wanted him to write a book. Well, he had been writing a story for his son who was picked on in school about this reindeer who was different. And the other reindeer picked on him. And so Santa one night asked Rudolph, because it was stormy, to guide my sleigh tonight. And next thing you know, Rudolph, the picked-on reindeer, is the hero of our story. More on that in a second. Rudolph came about as a way for a guy to inspire his son through Christmas. And Montgomery Ward sold, turned it into a book and sold it in their stores and it was one of the best selling books and when they found out that this man Robert Mays was having struggles at Christmas time financial struggles um, the owner of Montgomery Ward gave the full profits from the book to Robert Mays uh, to help his uh, sickly picked on son. Uh, the Rockefeller Center Christmas Tree in New York City was started by construction workers in 1931. So that's some of the history to Christmas. And we get the modern Santa Claus. Um, the the look and the description from a, a poem which is commonly <clears throat> referred to as Twas the Night Before Christmas but it's actually called A Visit from St. Nicholas uh, this can be found on poetryfoundation.org uh, if you want to, or unless you can find enough, like millions of other places, this poem is posted. <laughs> uh, but it's actually called A Visit from St. Nicholas. And I'm just going to read the poem to you. I'm not going to get into the whole history of it. It's by Clement Clark Moore. <coughs> "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house "'Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. "'Stockings were hung by the chimney with care, "'in hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. "'The children were nestled all snug in their beds, "'while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. "'And Mama, in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled in for our brains a long winter's nap. 
when out on the lawn arose such a clatter. I sprung from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew with a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave luster of the midday objects below. When what to my wondering eyes did appear, but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver, he must be Saint Nick. More rapidly than eagles, his course they came. <clears throat> and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer, now and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner, on Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As the leaves that before the wild hurricane flew. When they met with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up on the housetop, the coursers they flew. With the sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkle, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the, cha down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot. His clothes were tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler had just opened his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of his pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke encircled his head like a wreath. And the smoke encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. <laughs> he was a chubby, plump, right jolly old elf. And I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head. Soon he gave me known. I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work. He filled the stockings and turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh. To his team gave a whistle, and away they flew, like a down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. So that's where we get our, our picture of Santa. He used to be this jolly little elf. You know, with a red... I always remember pictures of Santa when I was a kid. He had a red little nose.
and he smoked a pipe when I was a kid, 45 years ago, well, 40 years ago, I probably can't remember much before I was five years old, but that's how we get the basic idea of what Santa looks like and who Santa is. Um... The modern Santa that we look at in America is the Coca-Cola Santa. So Coca-Cola came up with the best marketing campaign maybe in history. For years, the Coca-Cola Santa in my lifetime was what we thought of as Santa Claus along with uh, the visit from St. Nicholas poem or Twas the Night Before Christmas poem uh, on Coca-Cola's official website coke-colacompany.com they have the uh, history of their Coca-Cola Santa he has set, since been replaced by uh, the Coca-Cola polar bears because Coca-Cola is such an international company and not everyone celebrates Christmas. So it kind of sucks Coca-Cola Corporation sold out, but whatever. The Santa Claus we all know and love, that big jolly man in the red suit with the white beard, didn't always look that way. In fact, many people were surprised to learn that prior to 1931, Santa was depicted as everything from a tall gaunt man to a spooky looking elf he was donned in a bishop's robe which of course because he was patterned after saint nicholas uh okay and a taurus huntsman in animal skin in fact when civil war cartoonist thomas nast drew santa claus for Harper's Weekly in 1862, Santa was a small elf-like figure who supported the Union. <laughs> Nass continued to draw Santa for 30 years, changing the color of his coat from tan to red to the red he's known for today. There are a few other things you may not realize about the cheerful guy in the red suit. Santa has been featured in Coca-Cola ads since the 1920s. Coca-Cola began advertising in the 1920s with shopping-related ads in magazines like the Saturday Evening Post. The first Santa Claus ads used a strict-looking Santa in the vein of Thomas Nast. In 1930, artist Fred Menez painted a department store Santa in a crowd drinking a bottle of Coke, and the ad featured the world's largest soda fountain, which was located in the department store's store famous Barco in St. Louis, Missouri. Mizzen's painting was used in print ads that Christmas season, appearing in Saturday Evening Post in December 1930. Coca-Cola helped shape the image of Santa. In 1931, began placing ads in magazines, Archie Lee the Darcy Advertising Agent Executive, working with the Coca-Cola Company, wanted to wanted the campaign to show a wholesome Santa 
who is both realistic and symbolic. So Coca-Cola commissioned Michigan-born illustrator Hayden Sunblom to develop advertising images using Santa Claus, showing Santa himself, not a man dressed as Santa. The inspiration Sunworth turned to was Clement Clark Moore's 1820 poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, commonly called Twas the Night Before Christmas. Moore's description of St. Nick led to an image of a warm, friendly, pleasant, plump man, a pleasant, plump human Santa. Even though it's often said that Santa wears a red coat because red is the color of Coca-Cola, Santa appeared in a red coat before Sunblom painted him. So there's a combination of uh, Sunblom, the artist for Coca-Cola's image of Santa, and the uh, Clement Clark Moore poem of Santa. Uh, Santa, for the longest time, was an elf. He didn't have elves. He was an elf, and he made the toys. And then, later on, as time evolved, Santa became a man, a friendly, happy, jolly man, who had elves working in his workshop, which is how we think of Santa Claus today. So, it's a pretty awesome history from the birth of the Christ in the in the manger to uh, centuries old celebrations of winter and exchanging of gifts and boozing, drinking parties to tamer family gatherings and celebrations of you know putting aside our differences and loving one another, uh, going to church, which goes back centuries, at least one and a half centuries. Um, All of these things come together at this time of year around the world and are celebrated different ways by different cultures. Some cultures don't celebrate it at all, obviously. But it's something that I just feel like America took and made its own. You know, I don't think any country celebrates it as as hard and as loud as America. Um, And I shouldn't be selfish and jealous and patriotic about it and say it's the American holiday. But that's kind of what it's become. Um, And there are other places in the world where people decorate their homes excessively, where people, you know, exchange gifts, families gather for dinners. Uh, There's a good YouTube video by Diane Jennings about the ways Europeans celebrate Christmas and the way Americans celebrate Christmas. in a, like she points out little things like in America we say on Christmas and in Europe they say at Christmas but you know just different things 
uh, she's a lot better at telling that story than I am. But anyway, so this is how we got Christmas. This is where Christmas came to be. Um, and the, the older I get, the less it is about presents and uh, gifts. You know, a few years ago, unfortunately, my grandmother's last Christmas, but there was the, I, I say the changing of the guard, um, where I became the one who gave more presents than I got from my mom and my grandma. Um, and right now, I really don't even care about getting a gift. You know, I just want to be with family and friends. And I want to go to church. And I want to spend a peaceful day eating dinner with my mom and stepdad uh, and other people. And I just want to chill and spend... 48 hours with my family and you know probably visit some friends too go look at Christmas lights just go enjoy the day days you know Christmas Eve is now as, mu as much a part of Christmas as Christmas Day is and a lot of people I don't know how many a lot is, but some people, um, they do their gift exchange on Christmas Eve and then they have a family dinner and just a relaxed day on Christmas. And, you know, in America, um, the, uh, NBA, I don't really care for anymore, but. I cared about when Michael Jordan played, but not now anymore. The NBA always has a Christmas Day. Gotta relight my cigar. Hold on. Christmas Day triple header of basketball games. Three games in a row. Um... That's not such a big deal anymore. There's a television station that shows uh, the movie A Christmas Story for 24 straight hours, starting at 8 o'clock on Christmas Eve and ending at 8 o'clock on Christmas night. I think the last showing starts at 8 o'clock on Christmas night. And I've sat through all 24 hours of it a few times. Not sat through. I mean, I slept through quite a few hours. But it's it's just one of those things. Man, you got to do it. You know, it's Christmas. You got to enjoy it. Uh, you got to have fun. And, you know, I go to the house in Cleveland where the movie A Christmas Story was filmed. And there's a museum and gift shop. And, you know, just I just have fun with it. And uh, I like going... There's a place in Medina, Ohio called Castle Noel. The guy that owns it makes the Christmas window displays for Macy's in New York City. 
and he has all the Christmas window displays from Macy's from years gone by and he has a prop from almost every Christmas movie ever made in his museum uh, and his name is Mark Claus spelled K-L-A-U-S uh, but he bears a striking resemblance to Santa Claus uh, and so <coughs> you know that's pretty awesome and they have a, a a slide that is an exact replica that he made of the slide that Ralphie gets kicked down by Santa in the movie A Christmas Story. Um, this last week I've been binge watching The Santa Claus, all three uh, installments of the Tim Allen movie, which is a pretty cool Christmas movie. <coughs> uh, it's a good series. I like all three uh, films in the in the trilogy but uh, I don't know man uh, hit me with a tweet tell me what you like about Christmas or your favorite Christmas memory uh, at the real underscore big John on Twitter see what see what you and your family do on Christmas um, I'll put some links in the description on rumble and uh, maybe put the uh, was the night before Christmas in the description too. Um, Merry Christmas. God bless you. Have a, have a great, great Christmas. Hope, hope Santa brings you everything you ever wanted. I want a winning Powerball ticket. I'm sick of working, but that's just me. Mm. As I take my last chug of water as I've been speaking for now over an hour again Merry Christmas God bless you let us love one another even Mr. Scrooge <laughs>